You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. He hurt his finger. He had sports hernia surgery. And then his tooth. He had an abscessed tooth, <laughs> and he pulled his oblique, and he would like five years, please. You know, something to offend everybody on just about every front. I, I would have fired him. I don't see any real, real need to keep bringing him back. And Bautista's destiny was really to strike out Joey Votto when he was a position player pitching? Yeah, exactly. Obviously. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> and welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode three, where our fat pitches are in the best shape of their lives. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by the two-man crew, Josh Housem. Hi, Josh. Hey. And Chris Sherwin. Hello, Christopher. Hello, Gregory. Should I call you Sherlander? No, that's old school. That's old school? Just yeah. Chris now. We're professional. Yeah. That's right. Uh, tonight's <laughs> podcast will feature chit-chat about your favorite Blue Jay this week, Edwin Encarnacion, uh, Aaron Loop, and his potential, I guess, replacement, Randy Choate, uh, the ongoing fifth starter debate slash battle, and a little update on Marco Estrada. Then we're going to talk about the New York Yankees with Sports Illustrated's Jay Jaffe. We will have a do-over, we will take some questions, and then we have a uh, special opportunity for you fantasy baseball players who will want to send us to school, and then uh, possibly a final note. I've been known to ask for one of those at the end of the podcast. Let us begin (laughs) with Edwin Encarnacion, who started with a tooth abscess, uh, now has an oblique issue, and really, really wants a big contract. Um, are any of these things related, Josh? <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> there are conspiracy theorists out yeah. in, in the wilderness. Yeah, he's, he's refusing to play in spring training because he's injured. Uh, I know <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> because he doesn't have a contract. That, that would be a conspiracy worth following. <laughs> uh, but uh, no. It's funny that we don't actually know if he wants a monster contract because Ross Atkins was saying they haven't even talked dollars yet. It's just about they're they're disagreeing on years. How do you go into not? How do you not go into the dollars part? Like, if, what if he wants four years and thirty dollars? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I highly doubt he wants four years and thirty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. They no. haven't talked about it. Um, what do you think about the tiptoe around the negotiations negotiations that we often hear about, Chris? Is that like is that for the media's sake, or, or are they really embarrassed to talk about big dollars? Well, I, I don't think that they're ever going to like discuss financials like that with with the media. They're not just going to come out and say, "Yeah, hey, this is you know this is it," and just lay it out on the table for everybody to know. That's not a very good negotiating tactic. Um, did you notice? Now, this is more trade related, but did you notice that regarding Ari Dickey and? Um, and I believe it was the big Marlins trade that when it came out later, what the timelines were actually for those trades, it lagged about two days behind the Twitter buzz about in the works and all that other stuff that. Yeah, it was all done before yeah. it was even reported. That's close. And, and no one called that out as, hey, you know, this our nearing a deal thing is BS. And if by the time you've heard that, it's already done. I wonder if the same thing applies in free agency. Unless you're dealing with the Orioles. <laughs> 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 when even a done deal is not done. <laughs> um, so the latest was, uh, I, I read a tweet, oh, uh, the oblique may, might prevent Eddie from making the opening day lineup. Well, basically, it's right now he's out for another week. And if there's any setbacks, he just won't have enough at-bats in spring training in order to be ready. That's a sad trombone sound right there. Well, apparently he he actually he didn't do like normal training in the offseason because of his finger injury. Um, so I, I, I guess he, he jumped into the cage and, and, you know, dove right back into baseball activity. And, I mean, this is, this is the time of year. It's incredibly common um, for oblique injuries to happen and whatnot. Uh, this is why off-season training is so important. Um, you know, guys that don't train properly and whatnot, and they come back in and they just they dive right back into baseball activity, and um, and they get hurt right away. So and he also had the sports hernia surgery too. So I <laughs> yeah, that that's a little, he, little he had difficult. to take it off. That's the thing. I mean, it's not like it was poor decision making by Edwin in any way, shape, or form. He had he had a rough off-season as far as recovery goes. Okay, I I would like to review just briefly the absurdity of this. He hurt his finger. He had sports hernia surgery. And then his tooth. He had an abscess tooth. <laughs> and he pulled his oblique. And he would like f- five years, please. <laughs> hey, hey, it was four or five. Four or five. <laughs> I'm going to leave that right. he's consistent. Hey, hey, you forgot to mention that he consistently misses time with back issues. I would like one year for each injury I have suffered since the World Series. Um, what's interesting i I found there's been a lot of discussion um this offseason about how edwin would be like the the easier get between him and and bautista as far as as re-signing goes i I never really saw that like i never really saw the logic there um i don't know how you guys feel about that but i just I, i don't know if it was because he's slightly younger um or he he wouldn't he wouldn't demand the paycheck that that bautista um, would have, but I, I never really, I don't know. I never really saw the logic there. I think there's probably two parts of that. One of which is his lack of defensive value. So you could make a logical argument that he's worth less. And the other thing is he, he doesn't, Edwin doesn't do his own press. He doesn't come out and tell you how darn good he is. Whereas yeah, Bautista, I guess that's fair to assume that. Yeah. You know, and I think it might just be because they don't ask him the question in Spanish where he would be much happier to answer <laughs> them. Yeah. We're going to move on, I think. 
to uh, <laughs> before we really insult you, Mr. Encarnacion. You think? <laughs> uh, Aaron Loop uh, threw off of a mound on flat, no, flat ground. A flat ground. And the quote I heard was, didn't feel right. That makes me yeah, sad. When he spoke, he's like, I wouldn't say it's 100% trending in the right direction. Of course, he's going to say it's heading in the right direction. But yeah, he's definitely not going to be ready for the start of the season. So as a super emergency double backup plan, Randy Choate, who is Tau of Steve's mortal nemesis or something, is now a <laughs> Toronto Blue Jay. Uh, for those of you who have not followed Tao for very long on Twitter, every time Randy Choate's name comes up, he just seethes. Because um, Choate <laughs> was, was a left-hander who would get all of our good lefties out forever and ever, it seemed like, for, when he was on Tampa Bay. Yeah, and well, he's like, bury the hatchet, it's all good now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope nobody tries to explain that to Mr. Choate. Uh, so has Choate had it? Have we looked at his numbers the last couple of years? Well, I mean, he's a guy that has always, throughout his career, dominated lefties. I mean, they're, they're the career of 550 OPS for lefties against him. He wasn't quite as good last year. Uh, lefties hit 265, 333, 361. But, I mean, he, the year before that, he was his normal stingy self where they had an OPS of 351 which is <laughs> hilariously bad yeah so I think he might have vaulted ahead of Venditti and uh what was the other guy Gerardo for that last lefty spot we shall see um obviously we, we know some of these guys have not had the spring we were hoping for so um the other weird thing about Choate is he throws He's literally a loogie, as in he gets one out. So you see him every year, and it looks like 70 games, 31 and a third innings. <laughs> it looks like the laziest job in baseball. I play yeah. every other night for one out. Yeah. Uh, it's the greatest job in baseball is what you really mean. And I'm left-handed. Yeah, la last year, he had tw he had 71 appearances and 27.1 <laughs> innings. <laughs> That's really hard to do. <laughs> Oh, it's a special skill. Um, so we continue to move forward with both. Well, I shouldn't say both. I should say all all four of our potential fifth starter candidates making starts. Drew Hutchison, um, Aaron Sanchez, Gavin Floyd, Jesse Chavez. A lot of chit chat about this. It, are, are, do we think that they're leaning towards Aaron Sanchez? Is that the latest or have I missed something? Chris? Well, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Unless you ask John Givens, of course, because it sure seems every single time that he's asked about it, uh, he pretty clearly wants him in the bullpen. Um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of true. It's Every time he talks, it seems like he wants him to be in, a, in, the, in the pen. But Atkins was actually on the radio today. We're recording this on Thursday. And he was saying that it's basically going to come down to, to Pete Walker's recommendation, which I found really surprising. <laughs> and Atkins threw Roberto, a.k.a. Fausto Carmona Hernandez, into the mix. Oh, it's like, no. yeah, sure. He's, <laughs> he's really going to make this team. <laughs> Here is a list of potential names I have that are also <laughs> all, all of him. the names that are currently not in minor league camp. <laughs> I'd like to hear Greg's thoughts on this, just because we all know what ridiculous bias of opinion that uh, Josh and I have towards Aaron Sanchez. 
So I, I, I'm really curious about your thoughts on this, Greg. Uh, I like Aaron Sanchez as a starter for uh, pretty much all the reasons you guys outline, um, especially if you ever intend to make him a starter sooner would would be better than later. I read Matt's article on making him a starter in Buffalo, and my take on it is he's already shown you that he can be at least a decent starter in the majors. Uh, and then combine that with the fact that Gavin Floyd seemed to play up in the bullpen last year. They were talking about some very high velocities in the few chances he got with Cleveland. That's the kind of guy you want in the bullpen. Gavin Floyd is a million-dollar major league contract, so he's going to make the major league roster. Um, and Chavez and Hutch have not impressed so far. And to my understanding, Hutch still has one option left. He does, yeah. But actually, it, it, apparently, bo- all the all the four of those guys are doing better. Hutch pitched against the Yankees pretty much their A lineup the other day. And the only two runs he gave up were on a, a home run to Starlin Castro, which, you know, that will happen, right? It's spring training. Every now and then someone just run into one. But apparently he looked a lot better. So who knows? Uh, I, I still think it's almost a lock that he starts the season in the minors. But stranger things have happened. They could just decide to go with the absolute super bullpen. Yeah. Did least, we all see uh, Keith Law's comments about Aaron Sanchez in, uh, in his chat today? Did you see no. my comments about Keith Law chats? I did not. <laughs> I was, I said, I'm assuming it's humorous. <laughs> I said if you took every answer from a K-Law chat and replaced it with nope, would the chat be <laughs> materially different? <laughs> well, he, anyway, he, what was the question? He, well, he, brings, he brings up uh, Sanchez's mechanics that, yet again. Uh, basically saying like, well, you know, if he, if he's going to be a starter, he needs to change his mechanics, which which Josh brought up last week, and I actually watched his start to confirm what Josh was saying, and that he he did he did yeah. alter his mechanics. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> and then he went further on. Somebody else asked him a question um, about well, why aren't the Blue Jays, you know, listening? Why aren't they changing? And Keith Law said maybe the player just doesn't want to. <laughs> Well, considering he it clearly was the Jays, sh- <laughs> yeah. And considering it was the Jays who shortened it the first time, yeah. I think he would happily listen if they said to lengthen <laughs> it back out to his original stride. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I did watch that very impressive start of his recently, and uh, jo- Josh nailed it. Like he, he has absolutely altered his mechanics. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure if Claw just missed that. Perhaps I, I, I don't know. But I, I found that kind of interesting today. Kayla was also asked if Chris Colabello was real or a mirage. And of course he said. Mirage. You got it. <laughs> I'm sure if they well, ask I mean, about. That's a, I think that's a popular opinion though. <laughs> I, I, it's the, it's the uh, immediacy of his answers that always cracks me up. Is this guy any good? Nope. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. I was just asking. <laughs> it's never like <laughs> he could be good with adjustments or I see potential. It's like, nope, he's no good. He's a, he's a bench player. Oh, uh, then, of course, the other starter that we should probably talk about is the progressing Marco Estrada, who throw my favorite thing, a simulated game. <laughs> I just it's like that term. It's like it's like a game, but it's not a real game because Turns a out real- that the definitions change. They're all just playing like MLB the show. Yeah, he's, <laughs> it's like he's sitting there yeah, my the guy did really well on PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, of course, for those of you who haven't seen a simulated game, essentially it takes out the uncertainty of maybe throwing 40 pitches because you can't get three outs. They just decide that your inning is over after X number of pitches, and then you take a little rest, and then you get up there. But the batters are 
quote unquote trying. Yeah, I mean, and they're all they're all the top prospects and everything that he's facing, so he's gonna try to. They're all gonna try to hit him. So mm. we're facing a major leaguer. We can impress. And they didn't. He was very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they don't really keep score in sim games. There are sim scores in sim game. So he is scheduled to pitch now. Do we have Sunday. a day? Sunday. Yeah, he's going to pitch in. Uh, I think it's actually going to be in relief. Uh, just probably because he's not throwing as many innings. But it doesn't really matter in spring training. They've been picking back in guys the entire time. But yeah, Sunday at home against Baltimore. Well, that shouldn't be too tough. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, Baltimore. Baltimore won a couple games, I believe. Oh, that's so disappointing. They wrecked their whole perfect spring record by going out there and winning. Boo. Uh, boo. Um, I like winless in Sarasota. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great hashtag. Do, did I get everybody? Did I get all the important, hit all the important points here? Yeah, just okay. one, I guess. Another note is Bautista is officially back in the field and playing healthy we talked about it last time but he hadn't actually had a, a game in right field but now he is so that's about Jay, it <laughs> jays have thrown out the big lineup a few times now um that everyone's sort of except for Encarnacion, that everyone is you know participating in spring training which uh i will leave with the thought is still entirely too long for me <laughs> oh yeah actually there was one more thing that i wanted to talk about Last week on the podcast, I think it was us talking about Kevin Pillar and he looking so much better. Mm. Yeah, that went out the window. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. <laughs> because that was my final thought. And here I am saying, oh, I might be a Kevin Pillar believer. And then boom. <laughs> yeah, he looked really, really jumpy and off balance again in that game against the Yankees. I think that one of the toughest things to do is to take any aspect of your life in which you make a split second decision. Um you know, I, I know it from playing a musical instrument. I'm not a good guitarist by any stretch of the imagination. But when you realize you've made one mistake over and over again in playing something, and then you decide you just need to change this note to that note, and then you try and play it at the same speed you've always played it, I can only assume that hitting is similar. You get right into the moment, and then the wheels come off. <laughs> you go back to whatever you normally do. Yeah, I mean, enough guys change their swings, but you do often see regression. So I guess he's got to keep working on it throughout the spring and hope that he can carry it into when the real games actually start. So maybe spring training isn't too long for Mr. Pilar. Um, we're going to rest on that <laughs> thought for a minute. We're going to come back with Jay Jaffe of Sports Illustrated all about the Yankees. And uh, we talked to him a little closer to the Goose Gossage quote-orama. So uh, we will touch on that just for fun. We'll be right back. And we are pleased to be joined today by Jay Jaffe of Sports Illustrated. Uh, Jay, welcome back. Even though we've changed the name of the podcast since you were last on, I, I still say welcome back. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Excellent. So we consider you our our friendly resident expert on the Yankees, um, someone we go to usually this time of year. I'm going to dive right into it with... Alex Rodriguez is not the biggest story in spring training. Is is that a shocker at Yankees camp? No, I don't think so. I mean, last year, 
him coming back was you know one of the biggest stories in all in, in all of the in all of sports, uh, let alone in Yankees camp, uh, because nobody had ever been suspended for a full year uh, under the the, the drug uh, policy. Uh, this time, I mean, it's uh, you know there's really. I mean, he did a lot of fence mending last year that he doesn't have to do this year. Uh, there aren't any controversies regarding milestones. You know, it's a, it's a, basically, it's a non-issue. Uh, I think the only real question is whether he can uh, do anything to approximate last year's production because the Yankees could sure use it. Do you think that he's he's likely to do something on the order of last year, or, or does that seem like a fluke? Like that's it was very very surprising to to all of us. Yeah, I you know I I think betting from betting on thirty three homer no another another thirty homer season from a guy who's uh, who's now forty years old is probably a sucker's bet. Uh, I do think though you know twenty to twenty five seems uh, quite possible. I think another solid season where he's uh, uh, you know an above average contributor you know from the DH spot. I think that's that's attainable. So given that. You know, he's getting on an age and some of the other guys are getting on an age and Greg Bird is out for the season. Were you surprised that the Yankees didn't sign a single minor league, major league free agent this year? Yeah, a little surprised. Uh, I thought that they would, uh, in a pitching rich market, that they would find some kind of mid-rotation option uh, to give them some bulk innings. Um, you know, and, and uh, I, I would have expected maybe a little bit more, um, you know, player movement. I think the fact that uh, uh, they... Uh, the guys that they added are relatively young guys: Starlin Castro, Aaron Hicks, um, you know, and, and uh, you know Castro is obviously uh, going to start. But uh, uh, they would have maybe tried a little bit harder to to add a couple more position player options. Then again, I mean, it's tough to see how these guys fit in. I mean, you know, when you've got Jacoby Ellsbury on a long term deal, Brian McCann on a long term deal, Mark Teixeira in the final year of a long term deal. Uh, there's only so many places you can make changes, and and um, you know I think that that uh, uh, for a while it looked like they might trade Brett Gardner for some pitching. Uh, that would have uh, maybe cleared a path uh, for 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 another move. But um, in the end, I guess their winter makes some amount of sense. Uh, it's it just looks odd uh, given their history and uh, uh, the spending of uh, other teams in the division. They, of course, did make one move that was, I mean, you mentioned Castro and Hicks, but that was of clear consequence and very notable when they traded for the to-be-suspended Aroldis Chapman. What was the reaction like in New York when that happened? Uh, I think it was a very – it was met with uh, a very tepid reaction uh, in terms of uh, the kind of excitement that, it, that, that an acquisition like that would otherwise generate – uh, was dampened by uh, the the likelihood of a suspension and the sort of paradoxical nature of the fact that uh, if it had gone 45 days or longer, it actually would have worked uh, in the Yankees' favor uh, by uh, giving them another year of club control over him. Um, you know, it's just I, I don't think anybody wants to cheer for for a guy who uh, uh, has. Uh, you know, questions about domestic violence hanging over his head, or I don't think the majority of fans want to hear, want want to cheer for that. I don't think they want to think about that kind of stuff. I mean, in general, yeah. sports fans don't like thinking about that kind of stuff. They tend to put their heads in the sand, uh, you know, and uh, uh, emphasize the player's uh, uh, innocence until proven guilty. And and uh, you know, there's a lot of ugly trends uh, that come out when when uh, uh, those types of uh, situations arise. So I, I don't think that, uh, 
um, he's been greeted with open arms. So we're looking at uh, a bullpen that was built through trades, and and after Chapman's suspension is over, um, it's going to be what everyone describes as possibly the the best back end of the bullpen in baseball, although apparently that's very unvogue lately because uh, it looks like the Red Sox were trying to build the same thing. Is this all... Is this fallout from a successful Royals team, or is this a trend do you see wider across baseball valuing relievers or those those you know those shutdown relievers as they call them more? I you know I don't know that it's necessarily that big a trend. I mean certainly the Royals have had success with it, but it's not like the Yankees weren't uh, you know weren't trying to build strong bullpens in the past or relying on their big three in the past. You go all the way back to you know when you had. Uh, uh, Mike Stanton and Jeff Nelson setting up for Mariano Rivera. It's always been, you know, three guys making 70 to 75 appearances. Uh, you know, that's, that's the blueprint. They may not all throw a hundred miles an hour, like, uh, uh, you know, like Patances and, and, and Chapman, uh, certainly can from, you know, from, uh, uh, from their standpoints and Miller also a very hard thrower. But, um, you know, I think in the Yankees' case, this is a reaction to, uh, the questions in the rotation, the fact that they still don't have, uh, strong bets for 200 innings anywhere in this rotation and a lot of injury questions so that they're going to have to uh, try to get these guys to wobble through five uh, five plus innings, maybe six at the most, uh, and then get them out of there and turn it over to this uh, three-headed Hydra. Yeah, you you mentioned the, the short you know, the outings expected from the rotation. Where's the upside there that the Yankees are betting on? Because they're going to need someone to really hit in order to contend in the division. Well, I think, you know, you look at Masahiro Tanaka, you look at uh, Luis Severino uh, and Michael Pineda. At, at times, all three of those guys have, have been really, really impressive uh, over the last couple of years. Severino, I think, is probably, uh, you know, I would call him their best starter coming into the year. Uh, Tanaka, I think if he can stay clear of injuries uh, to a reasonable extent, I think he can be a very good pitcher, too. Um, you know, there's there's certainly some upside there uh, and hope that CC Sabathia... Uh, you know, can build on his late season run last year once he got fitted for that uh, big knee brace. Um, you know, I think that there's, there are, you know, it's it's maybe viewing the roster through rose tinted glasses, uh, but you know, there there has been evidence of these guys uh, living up to their billing uh, in in recent history, at, at least as far as uh, you know what can constitute a playoff caliber rotation. Um, it, it does seem to be the time of year for rose-colored glasses, as it were, among, I think, just about everybody. Uh, so the the question then, I guess, CC is the biggest question mark in that rotation. Like I, I've been reading, oh, he's, he might not make the rotation. Um, does that seem like a realistic outcome for you? Uh, no, I don't think so, because Ivan Nova, who's uh, really right now the sixth starter, is coming off an even worse season and uh, before that Tommy John surgery and really just doesn't have uh, a very strong track record to fall back on, you know, beyond that, I, you know, it's like, where do you go for that seventh starter? Uh, I don't know that he's in the organization right now. If, if, uh, uh, if they're not satisfied with Sabathia whom they're paying, you know, in excess of $20 million this year and, and uh, still on money to next year as well, assuming he's not, uh, uh, suffer, suffering from, I think it's a shoulder injury that's in the vesting clause. Um, you know, so they're they're committed to trying to trying to get something out of out of Sabathia, um, and uh, uh, I don't see uh, it being a strong likelihood that he's bounced from the rotation before 
they give him uh, a good long look. You actually you just alluded to the depth. So before we go into the road. Uh, transfer over to the offensive side of things. Were you surprised that they traded a guy like Adam Warren for Castro rather than going and trying to sign someone, one of the many second basemen that were on the market? A little, yes. Uh, Warren has been a very useful piece. Uh, that said, you know, if 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 all that a potential starting player is costing you is a swingman, uh, you know, then I think you make that deal every day of the week. Uh, you know, and I, Warren has been much better out of the bullpen than he has as a starter. Uh, not uh, not too dissimilar from David Phelps, whom they traded uh, a year ago. Uh, guys who, you know, really were right on that fringe of probably not being good enough to start for a playoff, uh, a team that fancies itself a playoff contender. More of, uh, you know, what they say in scouting circles, second division starter, uh, first, you know, first division reserve type of, type of guy. Um, so, you know, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm a little surprised, um, you know, given the, uh, the the distribution of what was on the market, but um, you know, I think uh, for you know, considering what a, a potential uh, boon uh, Starlin Castro would be, uh, you know, as a change of scenery guy coming in relatively cheap and cost controlled, uh, I think giving up a swingman for him made a lot of sense. And also, I mean, it'll help him. I'm sure that he's going to be not really counted on to do a whole lot in that lineup because, despite. Everything about their age and all the stories around that camp, that team can still really hit, can't they? You know, it's uh, intermittently, yes. I mean, there are there. <laughs> you, know, you you look at guys like uh, Brian McCann and Brett Gardner and uh, Carlos Beltran and Mark Teixeira, and they're they're nice pieces. Um, none of them are guys that you really want at the center of an offense anymore. Jacoby Ellsbury with his disappearing act late last year, and you know another banged up season. Uh, you know, cumulatively. It's they don't have a lot of weak spots, but you know there's between age and injury histories, uh, there's still reasons to be concerned there. Um, you know, Beltran I think is a good example, a guy who got off to a terrible start, dealt with some injuries. Um, you know, there's a point in the season from which he was actually pretty solid, uh, but it's his you know he was digging out of a hole numbers wise, and so his overall numbers don't look that good. But you know, talking about a guy who's going to be 39 this year. Um, you know, you don't really want to bet very heavily on that. So I'm I'm going to change gears here just slightly. And I'm going to ask the question that I think is on many fans' minds. Who invited Goose Gossage to camp? And who put a microphone in front of him? Well, Gossage is one of those, you know, one of those Yankee legends who uh, seems to be on a permanent retainer for a spring instruction job. Um, you know, I can't remember a time when he didn't come through, although I can't say I, I, I watch it that closely. Um, you know, as for the microphone stuff, uh, a uh, veteran beat writer pointed out that this is uh, uh, something, you know, anytime you want you want a strong reaction, you put a microphone in Gossage's face. He's <laughs> he just takes the bait every time. Um, we need content. So, Give him like yeah, the Gossage. Exactly. It's a slow, you know, slow news day type of stuff. And and. You know, in this case, I think it was pretty appalling what what Gossage said. And I, frankly, I mean, I don't want I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, like a like I'm a Steinbrenner, but I'd have fired him. I, I would I would have you know just for all those things that he said, you know, something to offend everybody on just about every front. I I would have fired him. I don't see any real real need to keep bringing him back uh, to this. He clearly the game has passed him by. I'm not sure what what wisdom he has to impart. Wow, that's. That's a little more. Da- I mean, 
Uh, I agree with you. He crossed a yeah. whole lot of lines, but it, it's because he's done it so many times before. I I don't know, or you know, or he's sort of known scale. for that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's. It, I mean, it's. Look, it's one thing to complain about kids today get off my lawn. It's another thing to sound fairly racist with your allegations regarding, uh, you know, what what uh, Latin players like Batista and and Cespedes bring to the game with their flair. I mean, that's just nauseating, frankly. And pardon my French, but. Um, that kind of attitude has no place even on the periphery of baseball um, and should be eradicated. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, seems like a reasonable take. So we get to the point in uh, our, our preseason previews. You are the last, we, we tour the AL East. You are the last representative of, of our AL East opponents here against the Blue Jays. Um, <coughs> we ask a couple of things. And the first one is what do you consider the team to beat in the division? Do you consider it to be the Yankees? And if not, who and why? Um, I right now, the way I have them ranked would be the Red Sox uh, and then the Blue Jays. I think the Red Sox with the acquisition of David Price, uh, another full year under the belts of guys like uh, Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts and Eduardo Rodriguez, assuming he act- this knee thing isn't uh, uh, too big a deal. Uh Acquisition of Craig Kimbrell and Carson Smith in the bullpen, um, presumably something better than minus two and a half WAR from Pablo Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez. Uh, there are you know, a lot of things that I think point towards the Red Sox being a, being a better team this year. Um, you know, I think with regards to the Blue Jays, uh, they're not as strong as last year. Obviously, losing David Price is something that. Uh, uh, they just can't replicate. Getting Marcus Stroman for a full season is a good thing, but I still don't think we really know how good he's going to be. I, I would be shocked if it turned out to be a Cy Young caliber pitcher on the level of Price, though. <coughs> um, and there are question marks elsewhere in that rotation uh, as well for all of the uh, strength of that lineup. So uh, I, I think they do have more sure things, especially on the offensive side. Uh, than the Yankees do. And and uh, so I like both of those teams uh, a little bit more there. Um, you know, I'm uh, uh, a lot of people like the Rays. Uh, the projection system seems to like, uh, particularly seem to like the Rays a lot uh, for their pitching. Um, I'm just not a believer in that lineup uh, anymore. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical about them. And I certainly don't see uh, enough pitching on the on the uh, in the Orioles rotation to justify picking them for for any kind of uh, playoff spot. Now, if predictions are anything to go by, the Orioles are in for one of the roughest seasons in recent memory. <laughs> it's nobody <laughs> has given them any respect, including the Orioles guy we had on. Um, well, Weeders is already hurt again too, so who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Caleb, you know, in the, with the, with regards to Weeders, I mean, I think Caleb Joseph is really the starting catcher there, and Weeders. I mean, they're you know they 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 went with the. Uh, uh, the qualifying offer that he accepted, I think they were surprised he accepted. But you know, this is a this is this is a this is the long goodbye for him. I mean, he's not going to get that hundred million dollar contract anywhere anyway. Uh, that Scott Boris once dreamed of him if his elbow doesn't uh, uh, really quickly rebound. But um, you know, they've just they've screwed up so much good young pitching over the years that I just uh, it's tough to believe they're going to get it right with Kevin Gaussman and turn Chris Tillman around and. You know, that's without mentioning Giovanni Gallardo and Ubaldo Jimenez, all of whom, you know, have uh, their best days probably behind them. 
So the last thing that I usually try and get out of people is a win prediction. And of course, I allow a range and the range has been wide from from other people in the know about their particular team, sometimes about up to 20 games. Uh, What do you think is a reasonable prediction for the Yankees win total this year? I think they can be an 85 win team. I, you know, and I think if everything goes right, they can be a 90 win team. Um, you know, I think that, uh, that's basically another, you know, another year of being on the fringes of, uh, contention, possibly breaking through to the wild card game. Certainly no guarantee, uh, of storming through, uh, as, as the division leader. I think that just, there's just not enough there, uh, unless something really unexpected happens, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know, Masahiro Tanaka has a Cy Young season and his top competition is Severino or something like that. Um, I just don't see it coming together that well, but I do think that they'll be competitive and I do think that there's, you know, this is going to be a team, uh, that's about as good as last year. Um, which is basically what Yankee fans, I mean, kind of have to settle for after those, after those two years in the wilderness, um, you know, of missing the playoffs completely. And, uh, Uh, at the end of the uh, Jeter and uh, Rivera runs. Indeed. All right. So I think that pretty much sums it up. So I would like to remind people that they can follow you on the Twitter at J underscore Jaffe. That's correct. I'm looking at it here. And they can also find you at Sports Illustrated or SI.com. You do an excellent series every year on the Hall of Fame if people aren't aware of that. Um, Thanks for stopping by. And uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And we are back after uh, another round with the Yankees. To that, that finishes our tour of the AL East. Um, we managed to get through the whole tour, did we not, without anyone confidently predicting 90 wins? Oh, yeah. Entire division of (laughs) middle-of-the-road-at-best teams. Fascinating. Uh, An entire division of, yeah, they could be good, but they could be really bad. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the the old days, right? You always used to think your team was going to win the World Series when you were 12, but apparently that's faded badly. Uh, This week... (laughs) We are going to bring you a do-over. And it's not a Blue Jays do-over. It is a more generally baseball-related do-over from the clubhouse of the Chicago White Sox. I will let you take it away, Josh. (laughs) This is one of the weirdest things that I think has happened in baseball in a while. So Adam LaRoche had a pretty bad year last year. In the first year of a two-year, $25 million deal, was due $13 million this year. And just retired out of nowhere. No one knew what was going on. And they and the rumors started coming out. Oh, it's he, he was upset with his performance. You know, his back was sore. And then it turns out that he quit because the they stopped letting him bring his son into the clubhouse every single day. How old is his son? Fourteen. His right. son is named Drake. So when I first saw this, it's like he he wants Drake in the clubhouse every day. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that is not acceptable music for Chicago. Exactly. No? It's like, well, that's a good reason to be banned from the clubhouse. But no, <laughs> but no, it's his son who he homeschools or just doesn't school at all and says he learns more in the clubhouse. But that's not the do-over. So, <laughs> so LaRoche retires. 
And there Kenny is Williams a do over like, there, by the way, but we're not going to do it over. <laughs> no, <laughs> correct. Um, so Kenny Williams says, like, yeah, we just didn't want him there all the time. Sometimes it's fine, but he was there every single day. Well, the next day, the White Sox players were threatened to boycott the spring training game over this change to their policy and had to be convinced to go back out on the field. Chris Sale was like saying that Kenny Williams has no place in the clubhouse. It's just a completely bizarre, broken situation. And I don't really know how it happened. I don't, I don't, why are we hearing about this? Like, that's, I just, my mind is blown that it got to the point where we, the general public, are hearing about this. I, I don't know. Like, if something like that happened at my work, no one would hear about it ever. Yeah, I'm, but I don't think you have con- reporters constantly in your clubhouse. <laughs> People just like a mic's different. What happened to Adam LaRoche? What happened to, what happened to Greg Wisniewski? Why did he leave? <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> Still uh, very weird. So Very, very weird. Uh, so let's go over here. Oh, sorry. Whoa. I have to acknowledge this before I give up the do-over. Mm-hmm. You and Ross, who writes for BP Toronto, and this actually sort of was repeated by Anthony Rizzo for the Cubs, basically saying it's like this is all about they wanted to get rid of his money on the roster. They wanted to get him gone. <laughs> and that just seems like the silliest <laughs> thing. Yeah, they just knew he was going to retire. <laughs> it's like, hmm, okay, well, we, we don't want this guy in our books. What do we do? I know. Let's force him away by betting his kid for some games. <laughs> it's just the silliest, <laughs> silliest idea. But apparently it worked, so who knows? It's uh, it's the devil strategy. It's like we, we know deep embedded within his psyche, the only thing that will make him retire is banning his 14-year-old son from the clubhouse. Um, but then again, like he brings his 14-year-old son there instead of going to school, so maybe it was really important. Uh, that's, yeah, that's that's what it is. I don't want to make accusations. Yeah. I don't know. I have a 14, well, 13-year-old, and she goes to school. I, it's pretty important <laughs> to me. That's all I'm saying on that. Okay. But anyway, so the do-over is to the entire White Sox organization. That's a lot of people to come on the podcast and apologize. <laughs> hey, it's a big do-over. <laughs> they can conference call. Okay, so the do-over is talk to your clubhouse before changing the rules and then don't let it out into the public (laughs) seems pretty straightforward oh well maybe we will or maybe we won't have to talk about this again i have a feeling we might bring it up again if it develops over the the, the course of the next week and nobody says hey that was a bad bad or bad uh we reach the point of the podcast where we usually ask people if they would like us to answer their questions, and usually they say, yes, we we would like you to answer the following questions. So I have the first question here. I have it from Jay at They Named Me Jay. How do you think the new dirt infield at Rogers Center will affect the Jays? Chris? Uh, well, I'm hoping uh, better health. Less time uh, on the turf for the infielders. Obviously, it's not going to do that for the outfielders. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we've heard it for the last few years. It's, it's kind of been like the, uh, major complaint from anybody that comes to the Rogers center, uh, anybody who plays in the Rogers center, 
Uh, I can't stand how the turf feels. Uh, I mean, it's like playing on cement, which it kind of is. Um, <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to protect uh, our, our golden boy, Tulowitzki, who is made of glass. Uh, obviously he's played on dirt everywhere else and it hasn't helped, but you know, obviously, yeah, uh, that, that's, that's <laughs> my biggest hope is, is that is health reasons. The funny thing is they're all like, Oh God, I hope it's not like Tampa Bay. Cause that was even worse. <laughs> uh, uh, my take on this is, is just an interesting article I read that tried to demonstrate with, with some efficiency that the blue Jays infielders had better adjusted to the super slow new turf better than the opponents in field. It's still there. Uh, well, it's still there on the way to the yeah, dirt. Cause the, yeah. exactly. The turf is still there before you hit the dirt. But so once you pass the baseline, that, that you, initial read is still there. You got a different surface. I'm just wondering how much the ball was slowing down at what point it was slowing down. So I, I it's going to change that aspect a little bit, obviously not on, you know, bunts and stuff. But. Well, I think if you see, if you go back and, and watch the games, I, it, it seems like as soon as it hit the ground, you could you could see the difference. I mean, no way. Even if it does change, just because it was later, they'll still have the chance to get the better reads than everybody else because they'll be playing on it all the time. So it might even be a new advantage. It's like okay, everybody else adjusted to the turf. We're changing it again. <laughs> Market inefficiency. Change your field every year so that your team has better reads on ground balls. You might actually be onto something. Don't say it too loud. Uh, I'll turn next, down my mic. Next question. <laughs> Okay, so this is from James Gorman at Jimmy underscore underscore Gorman. He's asked a few questions. What does Goins OPS have to be when Travis gets back for him to stick at second? So for Goins to keep the job. I'm about to look up Ryan Goins OPSs, which I should have already had up for the past two seasons. As some sort of baseline for Mr. Goins. So 739. Yeah, but this isn't like go. this isn't what will he do? It's what does he have to do in order to not see the job? So it doesn't really matter what he's done before. Well, I think it's relevant because it's it's how much are we asking him to do for for relevance sake? So his OPS last year was six seven two. His OPS in twenty fourteen was stand back four seventy nine. <laughs> yes, he did not crack five hundred in a hundred and ninety three plate appearances. Um. I'm going to say 700. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's probably it. Well, and it will depend on what Travis is doing in the minors, obviously. But if he's hitting the way he was, I think Goins has to be above 700, not to just hand the job over. I think at 700, he's still – Travis is going to get some starts to see what he can do. I, I don't think Travis stays in the minors just because Goins is OPSing at 700 or – Oh, for sure. Something like that. Wow, we all agree. Yeah, so I mean, we have to move sometimes. on to another question. <laughs> Chris, you want to read the next one? Uh, this comes from Dave Evans at CDN Beer Maven. Very creative name. I like it. Uh, <laughs> worst MVP snub: Bautista third in 2011 to Verlander, or Trout losing to Miggy either time. Well, <laughs> I think it's Trout, and it's not close. I don't even think that Bautista necessarily deserved to win that year. Um. They never. They didn't even approach the Hamilton. Was it Hamilton Bautista in 2010? Yeah. To me, that was sad. Um, hmm. Yeah. But, I so. mean, Hamilton was amazing that year. I, I don't think Bautista deserved to win in either season. I mean, if Verlander didn't deserve it in 2011, I would have given it to Jacoby Ellsbury. 
Hey, Chris, uh, Josh, uh, you're fired. Yes. Um, Chris, welcome to the co-hosting gig on the podcast. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I mean, come on. That, that, I should have that mic turned down. <laughs> that is Blue Jays bias, I think, a little bit. I mean, if you go back and look at it, I remember the arguments over and on Twitter in 2011 about Bautista being eligible for MVP votes. And I remember thinking the same thing. It's like, yeah, it's been a fun year, but is he really the MVP? Nah. And I mean, he was my, definitely my in the conversation. Right, he was in the conversation. He, he, if he had won, it wouldn't have been a travesty. But you can't say he deserved it for sure over Ellsbury and Verlander. And Trout definitely deserved it. <laughs> Mike Trout, boring in his awesomeness. Um, yeah, hates yeah. bad flips. <sighs> that that was a do over right there. Um, <laughs> we have a final question, Josh. That you, I believe, don't have you want to keeping... ask Mark Wright's question? Oh, Mark, sorry. Uh, there it is. Hi guys. Um. Do, do, do. Who can we see breaking out of the minors this year? And that's uh, Mark Wright at Mark Wright UK eighty eight. Breaking out of the minors? Is there anybody going to break out in and make his major league debut this year? Hot Rod. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that was actually what he was asking. Is he asking about breaking uh, uh, players who are going to we're going to hear about in the minors? There's a few, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I assumed it was guys like Alfred or Pompey the year before who just take huge leaps beyond what anybody expected. Fair enough. Or or not, maybe not beyond what they expected because how would we answer this question? <laughs> but just take huge leaps. So we have, uh, My uh, answers would be the, some of the pitchers right? because that's who most likely guys are, right? They just Their stuff ticks up, they figure it out, and great. So I would say Sean Reed Foley or Justin Maisi, their first round picks. Actually, no, no, Max Pentecost because he will play a game, <laughs> <laughs> which is a huge, huge leap for Pentecost <clears throat> first round pick. Um, yeah. I'm gonna pick Rowdy Tellez because who doesn't like saying Rowdy? Well, that's not fair. That's what I said. Hot Rod. Hot Rod. He's got a perfectly good yeah. name like Rowdy, and you have to give him a Rowdy? name. <laughs> Hot Rod? Heck, what? It's the same thing. What did you... Come on, Greg. Um, will we see Vlad Guerrero in Vancouver? There's my question. Oh, I don't think so. He's only 16. Or, 30, or rather, he just turned 17 two days ago. Chris, do you think we'll see... No, I thought Vlad? he was 15 turning 16, so my answer is also no. <laughs> You can't sign them until they've turned 16. <laughs> we bend a lot of rules around here in the in the uh, Central American countries, but there's some you can't quite get around. Um, ask Fausto Carmona. <laughs> Bing! Okay, okay. That, what you just said there, was the best segue. Because, so this question that I wanted to give to you is comes from at BLidier, I don't know, but his Twitter name is Mephistopheles. And Mephistopheles <laughs> is from the Faust story. <laughs> We're back here again. <laughs> oh, so it's just the greatest unintentional segue. <laughs> but he asks, "Do you think Bautista may have stolen Travis Snyder's soul when they arrived in Toronto and the two switched destinies?" <laughs> Faustor Carmona steals identities. Bautista steals souls. Um, they both came in 2008. Snyder was supposed to be the guy that would hit 40 bombs regularly. I'm, what do you think? I'm I am blown away by that question. Uh, 
I'm impressed by this question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to be a spoil sport. Um, so I'm going to say uh, that there was an exchange of souls for some currency. Absolutely. I don't know if he stole it. He may have just purchased it. <laughs> Snyder ran out of his bonus. Needed to make some quick cash. <laughs> Made a quick deal. Well, he couldn't have sold the soul completely. He ended up pitching in relief for the pirates. Think about that. No, and no, no, they traded. They traded. So he be- he became the journeyman backup outfielder that Bautista was. And Bautista's destiny was really to strike out Joey Votto when he was a position player pitching? Yeah, exactly. Obviously. <laughs> he nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where this went. So I'm not even going to try a segue. That was all our questions, right? Yeah, that's it. Well, okay, here's the segue. We're going to talk about fantasy baseball now. <laughs> because- nailed it. That was pure fantasy. Uh, The baseball prospectus Toronto crew is playing this year in a fantasy baseball league, and we have some open spots. So if you would like to uh, teach us how to play fantasy baseball properly, and believe me, I need a lesson. um, First, you have to follow the podcast Twitter, which is at TurfPod. And then what we want you to do is we want you to think up a fantasy team name, the cleverer, the better, the funnier, the better, and tweet what you're going to name your fantasy team if you get picked. Um, We will take the most creative responses and we will add you to the league. And then next week, we are, before next week, we're going to let you know if we selected you. But next week on the podcast, uh, we're going to tell you who joined and, and got the honor and the clever and or amusing name that they provided us in order to do so does that sound like a plan sounds like a plan it's remember first thing follow at turf pod um otherwise how could you respond <laughs> oh goodness that was a weird left-hand turn at the end of the podcast so i'm just gonna leave it up to the usual final note here josh chris no oh, chris yes chris chris always yes. has a final note <laughs> I love final notes. It, you know, it's it, it's not really Blue Jays related. It's just it, like baseball related. We've had just unbelievable weather. And, uh, you know, Greg touched on it a little bit with spring training being too long. I, I just I've, I've been walking around just itching for baseball. Like it needs to start now. <laughs> like It needed to start two weeks ago. You can get an ointment just, I, or something yeah. for that, can't you? It's possible. Okay. I, I think I've watched game five about 40 times in the past two weeks. Or at least the inning, the seventh inning. The impro- most improbable. The, the inning that, <laughs> in an article of the 100 luckiest baseball moments of the past 100 and whatever years, it was mentioned in two separate entries. Wow. Not that we have a recency <laughs> bias in these lists. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, your final thought. Uh, mine is that uh, there might be a position battle that we weren't aware of oh well i mean maybe not position battle a guy that could make the roster that we weren't aware of if edwin and Canacion cannot make it which we you know bring this full circle first thing we talked about <laughs> there's going to be a spot open on the roster they don't need to get another first baseman in there because they already have two of them there's a good thought that it might be andy burns not on the 40 man wasn't protected for the rule five but he's playing really well in the spring and he can play every position and uh, the first guy when when Gibbons was asked who was impressing him today is Andy Burns. Ooh, 
Intrigue. So there you go. Might happen. Gibby speaks. Every sorry, time. Sorry, Gibby speaks. Hey, bros. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you would like to reach us on the Twitter, you can reach Josh at Joshua Housem. You can reach Chris at CW Sherwin. You can talk to me at Coolhead2010. This has been Artificial Turf Wars Episode 3. I have been Greg Wisniewski. You have been Joshua Housem and Chris Sherwin. And our guest was Jay Jaffe of Sports Illustrated. And we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.